You're listening to Truly Criminal, the home of true crime. To see the video version of this case, including the footage and photos, you can find us on YouTube. Just search for Truly Criminal. Leeton, in New South Wales, Australia. A small and rural town with a population of around 10,000 people. In 2015, it was home to 26-year-old Stephanie Scott and her fiancé, Aaron. The pair had met as children, playing sports together where they grew up. They had remained good friends until Aaron's 21st birthday party, where things blossomed into a romantic relationship. Stephanie, affectionately nicknamed Button Nose by her family, was described as warm and intelligent with a huge smile. She had very much taken after her dad in terms of a career. Her father Robert was a teacher, and Stephanie caught the same bug, teaching English and drama at Leeton High School. She poured so much time into her students and took a lot of pride in her lessons, having a huge amount of respect from her colleagues also. April 11th, 2015, would be hers and Aaron's wedding day, and, ever the perfectionist, Stephanie had put months into every little detail, telling people it was going to come together just perfectly. She had just had her bachelorette party. The honeymoon in Tahiti was booked, and the only thing left to do for now was for the couple to perfect their first dance, which they were taking many lessons in preparation for. The first weekend of April meant that the big day was now just days away, and Aaron asked if Stephanie wanted to join him out of town for a party, but she said she would leave it, having a couple of more bits left to sort out. One of these things was getting a final plan in place for her students while she was away on her honeymoon. April 5th, 2015 was Easter Sunday, and at about 11am, Stephanie headed into her school to drop off the handover for the substitute teacher. Stephanie parked her car outside and then walked to meet a colleague that lived near the school. They both went together to unlock the gate, with Stephanie locking it after her and keeping hold of the keys as she headed for the English teacher's staff room. Whilst there, she sent an email to a bus company confirming the transport for her guests to get to the wedding, and after this, she carried on working for another couple of hours. Happy everything was finally sorted, she left the admin block, keys in her bag, heading for the gates. Aaron knew she was going to be away for a few hours, of course, but as the sun started to set and there was still no word from her, something felt wrong. He had been texting her the previous evening and in the morning, getting prompt replies, but since the middle of the afternoon, he had heard nothing back. He got home at around 7.20pm, but there was still no sign of her and her car wasn't outside either. Aaron tried to put his panic aside, hoping maybe the stress of the wedding and leaving her students for so long meant she just needed a little space, but to be completely silent like this was just not like her. Although planning a wedding is stressful to say the least, Stephanie had by all accounts very much enjoyed the process, and in the previous days she had been telling all of her students about her dress and the wedding food. This wasn't someone that seemed nervous or overwhelmed, this was someone that was excited and ready for the big day. 
Aaron slept badly and woke up early, messaging her again, before he started calling her family. At 4.30 that afternoon, over 24 hours since anyone had heard from Stephanie, Aaron went to Leeton Police Station to report his fiancée missing. Police wondered that because her car was also missing, if she had left the school and got into an accident, possibly rolling into a ditch or a creek and getting stuck there. Helicopters were deployed to start searching the area, as officers on the ground went straight to her last known location, Leeton High School. Due to it being Easter Sunday, few people were in the school that day, which limited the witnesses, but also ruled out hundreds of people, actually making the police's job a lot easier. A check of the alarm inside Stephanie's classroom showed that she had disarmed it at 1.31pm and rearmed it at 1.38pm, so they knew she was definitely around at that time. But after this, there was nothing really to note. They tried to use Find My iPhone, but it was turned off. There was also no activity on her bank accounts or social media since Saturday the 4th. By the 7th of April, appeals were now underway via social media, with one post being shared over 1,500 times in just a few hours. Local news stations were running the story, and hundreds in the small community were out searching. But given how out of character this was, and now being less than a week away from her wedding day, hope was quickly starting to fade. Her mother Marilyn said, I think, if we don't find her today, you can't let yourself think about it, but you do. Nine reporter Erin Willing is at Leeton High School tonight. Erin, why did police return to the school today? Pete, police did not only return here for much of the day, they are still, in fact, here at the school. Now, they're using digital mapping technology to mark out the grounds of the school, as well as the room where Stephanie would have been working the day that she vanished. One witness who was around Leeton High School on Easter Sunday said that at 2pm she had heard some noises that sounded like things being moved or dragged across the ground. She remembered she saw Stephanie's car underneath a covered walkway, but of course didn't think anything of it. But she did also notice her car disappear. Another witness who worked in the school told detectives she had a strange conversation with one of the school's cleaners the following Monday morning. As the school was now buzzing with gossip, speculation and worry... The witness asked the cleaner if he had seen her before she disappeared. He said he hadn't. When they asked him if he thought Stephanie might have run away because of nerves about the wedding, she said he let out an odd and inappropriate giggle that left her with an uneasy feeling, and his face was covered in scratches. The cleaner was 24-year-old Vincent Stanford, and he had to be questioned. Detectives briefly spoke to Vincent and he said he had popped into the school to take out the bins, despite not being scheduled, but he hadn't been there long as he had to go food shopping. He said he didn't see Stephanie while he was there and couldn't help them. But hey, good luck with your search, he said. While his vehicle had been picked up driving away from the school just after 3.30pm, which went with the times he said he was there, when officers called the store he claimed he went to, they said that due to the dates, they were actually closed. He would have no reason to lie about the store he had gone to, and, as a result, Vincent was now a person of interest. Police went to interview him again, this time more thoroughly. He lived at his mother's house, and when they got there, she let them in. Vincent wasn't there at the time, but his mother gave police permission to walk through her home and take a look. It was here that they found a set of keys and a red and white lanyard keys that matched description of Stephanie Scott's. As they were bagging things up, 
Vincent returned in his car. They seized his vehicle right away and found some MDF boards in the back, with what appeared to be blood on them. Outside the front of the house, they had spotted some tyre tracks, which didn't match his vehicle. They also found a used condom on the ground, the wrapper of which was inside his bedroom. They asked him where he had been that day, and he told them he was out taking photographs, pointing to the camera on his front passenger seat. Detectives asked if they could look at it, and he shrugged and said, sure. Alarmingly, when they turned it on, the first images they found were of a burnt female corpse lying in a wooded area. He told them they were just from a film and that he had taken them because he thought they were funny. But police knew what they were looking at was the body of Stephanie. Vincent Stanford was placed under arrest in connection with the disappearance and now likely murder of Stephanie Scott. Police last night arrested her co-worker, 24-year-old Vincent Stanford, a high school cleaner. And I was just horrified when I heard the news, you know, couldn't quite comprehend it for a while. Police found Miss Scott's car dumped in a paddock about eight and a half kilometres from where she was last seen, but they're yet to find her body. It's tragic for, for the family, it's tragic for... Uh people of Luton, it's tragic for the people of New South Wales and, and society in general. She'd understand everything if you had problems at home, had problems anywhere, you could just speak to her about it. She's amazing. just want to thank her heaps for everything she's done for us and we're still praying for her. She was just such a lovely, uh, vibrant person that fitted in with everyone and everything and uh, she was well loved by the teachers, the students and, uh, and everyone that virtually met her. Family and friends who'd travelled from overseas for a wedding now face the devastating task of arranging a funeral. Vincent's phone and laptop were full of pictures of underage girls, both from inside Leeton High School and off the internet, in various sexual and shockingly graphic situations, including bestiality. There were also photos of women he had clearly been following around town without them knowing, A very sinister picture and pattern of behaviour was being painted, and, despite them not yet finding her body, on April 9th, Vincent Stanford was charged with the murder of Stephanie. They continued trying to pinpoint the area the photos of the body might have been taken. On April 10th, 2015, five days after she had last been seen, another witness walked into the police station to say that he had seen a vehicle driving near a canal just before 4pm on Easter Sunday. He said a man had got out and thrown what looked like a laptop into the water before speeding off. It didn't take police long to recover the laptop, and it was confirmed to be Stephanie's. Police divers have joined the search for the body of murdered bride-to-be Stephanie Scott in the New South Wales Riverina. Nine's Natalia Cooper is in Leeton this morning in a touching scene behind her there, Natalia. And what's the latest on the investigation? The search has resumed for the body of 26-year-old school teacher Stephanie Scott. Police are searching fields and a vineyard near where the young teacher's red Mazda was found earlier this week. Police divers are also searching a canal in that area 
area and it's believed they have retrieved a laptop from the canal. Now, you mentioned the, sh the shrine that is growing behind me. It's been uh, visited by so many people throughout the morning and so many emotions uh, have been seen here. People are absolutely devastated, whether they, they knew her personally or they didn't know her at all. Uh, this tragedy has really affected everyone uh, in this town. We know that her family and her fiancé were here last night. They lit candles. They read some of the tributes and they were clearly distraught and comforting each other. One more piece of information I have for you is that police are desperate to find anyone who saw this white ute believed to belong to Vincent Stanford, the man who is accused of murdering Stephanie Scott. Uh, they need to contact police urgently. Brett? Natalia Cooper in Leeton, thank you. Following this, the search for her would finally come to a devastating end. 60 miles from Leeton High School, and just a day before what should have been her wedding day, Stephanie Scott's burned body was found. She was in a patch of woodland in the Kokopara National Park. She had been hit over the head 40 times, and the cause of death was blunt force trauma. She had also been stabbed in the neck before being dumped and set on fire. These confirmed that the photos on Vincent's phone were most definitely of Stephanie. Vincent then contacted the police voluntarily and asked to talk to them. At this point, being sat in a cell, he had no idea that Stephanie's body had been found. He sat down and told them everything, including where they could find Stephanie. Where was she when you first saw her? She was in the staff room upstairs for the English drama math teacher. Okay. What was she doing? She was working on a computer. Was the staff room door open, closed, or...? Open. Where were you at that time then? I was working... You know, I had our pressure cleaner up to clean the garbage bins and put some of the garbage bins upstairs. That's when I saw her. In class, in the staff room? Yes. Did you say anything to her at that time? No. Did she say anything to you? No. Did she see you? I think so. Then you think so? I walked by the door so she probably knew I was there. He told them that the minute he saw her, he had a compulsion to kill her. He quickly went home to pick up what he referred to as a rape kit, which included handcuffs, Viagra, a knife and cleaning products. On the way, he googled bride rape and bride raped with wedding gown, as well as making searches for necrophilia. He returned just as Stephanie was packing up to leave. As she walked out, she went past Vincent, caught his eye and smiled at him, saying... I'm going, have a happy Easter. Vincent suddenly grabbed her and pulled her back into a storage room. Yeah, you, we, we spoke to you on um, Wednesday on, on the 8th. Yes. And we spoke to you about certain scratches that I can still see on your face. Now. Yes. Can you tell me where you got those scratches from? Several of them are from Stephanie Scott. And how, how did she do that? With her fingernails. And when did she do that? When I tried to kill her. When I killed her. When you killed her? Yes. Okay, so you say that you've... Can you just tell me exactly what happened when she walked... See, when, when you first... You said you were waiting for her? 
to come out, were you? You were waiting for her to finish her work? Yes. Okay. What exactly happened then? When she finished her work, what did you do? I picked her up from behind, with my right hand over her mouth and the left hand around her middle. I dragged her into the store. I closed the door behind us, chopped her on the floor, and I beat her to death. You say with your fists? Yes. Did she use any other weapon? I did use a knife as well. You said you got a feeling that you had to do it. What feeling? Can you describe that to me upon seeing her? What feeling came over you? Like, what did you feel? That I had to kill her. I've had a lot of violent thoughts, but I've never acted on them. Okay. So when you say you've had a lot of violent thoughts, can you describe to me what those thoughts have been? Killing various people I've met. Yep. Hurting them. That's about it, really. And um, is there any reason why you wanted to kill these people or hurt these people? No, I think I might have some mental problems, but I've never done anything to me to deserve it. Are you going to tell me why you got angry at Stephanie and why you wanted to kill her? I didn't really feel anger. I just wanted to kill her. Oh, so you weren't, didn't feel anger? No. Okay. I you just wanted to kill her. Okay. So you just wanted to kill her? Yes. Can you tell me why you wanted to kill her? No. I think I just my mental health acting up again. Vincent then recalled that he had felt hungry and drove home for a sandwich and coffee, leaving Stephanie lying on the floor of the storage room. After finishing his food, he returned to the school, placed her body in the trunk of her own car, before going back in to clean. After this, he drove her master to his house, leaving it parked outside while he talked to his mum and brother. In the early hours of what was now Easter Monday, Vincent drove Stephanie's car to Kokopara National Park. So when you've taken her out of the boot, did you take the clothes off her in the boot or did you take clothes off her in the ground? On the ground. On the ground? Yeah. Okay. Now, obviously, she had, at this stage, there was a lot of blood and she had injuries to her face. Did you notice any swelling or...? Yeah, the right side of her face. Yep. It was quite... Up near her eye. Yep. And that's from when you punched her when she was yeah. on the ground? Then you, what did you, did you use match to light the fire or did you use cigarettes? Put some petrol and a stick and I laid a match on that. Yep. And I chucked the stick on there. Yep. And where did the match, what about the match, where did you put it? I think it's still there, probably. Did you throw that in the fire or just drop it? No, I dropped it where the stick was. Okay. Is that far away from the body or? No. No? No. So when you travelled... After, did you stay around long to watch your body burn? Or? No, I left straight away. You left straight away? Oh. Yeah, it was well light. It took a second. Petrol starts fast. So, yeah. Okay. On your camera, you had two photos of a deceased body. Yes. Are, they, are those photographs of Stephanie? Yes. Can you tell me why you took those photographs of Stephanie? No. Why did, why, did you, why did you keep the bra? Like you've disposed of everything else, why the bra? I honestly don't know. Don't know? Maybe I wanted a souvenir. Yep. Yeah. Something to remember it by. Probably, but I had no real reason to keep yeah. it. Why the bra though? Why not any other item? I think it was clean. Did you wash the bra? I chuck it in the washing once, yeah. At home or at school? At home. At home. Okay. What about her earrings, engagement ring? 
Oh no, I might have taken that off earlier. Earlier, where did you take those off? Probably when I was at home with her. No. When I went and collected all her stuff at the high school, would have been not her earring stuff. Put her engagement ring, you remember taking that? Yeah. Where did the high you, school. Where did you put her engagement ring? Don't know. Chucked so much stuff out. Yep. So you, you got rid of that with the clothes, did you? or? I was chucked it in a bin somewhere when I chucked everything else out. He had taken her engagement and graduation ring and sent these, along with Stephanie's driver's licence, to his identical twin brother Marcus, who was living in Adelaide. Marcus sold her rings at a jewellery store and destroyed her licence. So, did you sexually assault Stephanie? No. While she was alive? No. Or deceased? No. Although Vincent was still trying to deny any sexual assault took place, officers knew that this was not true, and Vincent would also face further charges of aggravated sexual assault and inflicting actual bodily harm. Vincent Stanford had been born in Australia, but his family had moved to the Netherlands when he was just three years old, before moving back to New South Wales later on. He told police he had dreamed about killing someone as early as seven years old and had choked his teacher when he was 12. His classmates used to call him psycho because of his violent outbursts. Vincent was made to attend what was called a behaviour school because of his unruly behaviour, limited social skills, limited friendships and oppositional behaviour. He said he was never able to adapt to society, adding, I would have to require emotions, I have almost none. He was later admitted to an adolescent psychiatric centre where he was diagnosed with autism and oppositional defiant disorder. After he was released, Vincent told police he wanted to go to university or join the army, but he was rejected by both. It was after this that he went on to get a series of jobs before getting the job as the cleaner at Leeton High School. He had only been hired on a five-week contract, but this had been extended. When he started to work in the school, he often lurked in the girls' toilets when students were on their lunch break. From delving deeper into his phone, detectives found that Vincent had stalked a 12-year-old girl in the school and two other women who worked in nearby shops before he killed Stephanie. They found almost 2,000 photos of the 12-year-old on his phone and he had even written about her in a journal. He had followed her home several times and started taking notes of when she was out and who else was in her house. One of his entries read, Home alone, 1540. Time enough to abduct. It is thought that his intended target was initially this young girl, and when this plan didn't happen, he went to the school, where he set his sights on Stephanie. Results from inside his vehicle came back and showed that the stains on the MDF boards were positive for Stephanie's DNA and inside the Stanford home they found Stephanie's blood on a knife, on some lining to the inside of her own car, on some condom packets, and they also found her bra. As Vincent carried on with his progressively more disturbing interviews, the businesses in Leeton closed, along with the classes at Leeton High School being cancelled, so that the community could attend a public memorial and celebration of life for Stephanie. As a community, we feel quite helpless. There's not much we can do to make this any better for the families involved and the friends that are involved. It was lovely to be able to be part of such an amazing tribute. After joining in a moment's silence to honour Stephanie, residents released balloons filling the sky with yellow. The release of the balloons was like letting go, letting her spirit now roam free in the sky. Oh. 
We pray for the eternal rest of Stephanie Scott and for the comfort and healing of her family. Everybody wore yellow, her favourite colour, and what should have been hers and Aaron's first dance song, Keith Urban's Making Memories of Us, played as everyone said goodbye. It was a huge turnout of around 1,000 people. And later on, in the picturesque venue that was supposed to host the couple's wedding, Stephanie's funeral would be held. After this, more shock would come for the family when police announced that they had made a second arrest in Stephanie's case. Vincent's twin brother, Marcus. In handcuffs, wearing a Star Wars jumper, Marcus Stanford is led into court. New South Wales detectives waiting for him, with plane tickets at the ready. The 24-year-old was arrested about 7 o'clock this morning at his Forreston home in the Adelaide Hills. Neighbours stunned that the latest chapter in a murder case which shocked the nation played out on their doorstep. It's quite disturbing and quite shocking for our little our little street, our little community. Um, and it's sad that the case is, I guess, continuing on for the family as well. Marcus Stanford can't be shown because he is Vincent's identical twin. His colleagues at an Adelaide Hills flower farm say he has little to do with them outside work. Was I shocked? Not really. Marcus Stanford didn't have a lawyer. When the magistrate asked if there was any reason he shouldn't be taken to Leeton, he told the court, in his thick Dutch accent, that he'd never been there, so he wouldn't need to go back. But he'll be on a flight to Sydney in custody tomorrow morning. Despite his confessions... It actually wasn't clear how things would go in terms of a court case, as Vincent did not initially enter a plea, but based on all the evidence presented by the prosecution and police, it was ruled that the case was definitely capable of resulting in a conviction before a jury, and he was committed to stand trial. Psychological tests are being carried out by experts and they revealed that they believed he was absolutely a serial killer in the making. He was void of emotion or empathy. He was remorseless and unbothered, often laughing and shrugging things off as he spoke. Fortunately for Stephanie's loved ones, they would be spared any such trial. Breaking news this morning, a school cleaner has pleaded guilty to the rape and murder of teacher Stephanie Scott in regional New South Wales. 25-year-old Vincent Stanford has appeared in the Supreme Court in Sydney this morning over the 2015 killing. As in July 2016, Vincent Stanford finally pleaded guilty to her rape and murder. While the courts looked into his sentencing, Vincent's twin brother Marcus would also face his own charges. After he admitted to selling Stephanie's rings, destroying evidence and helping Vincent to cover things up, he was sentenced to 15 months in prison. However, I have determined that there is no practical purpose in allowing for a parole period at all in the sentence I will impose. Would you stand up, please, Mr Stanford? For the offence of being an accessory after the fact to the murder of Stephanie Scott, you are convicted. You are sentenced to imprisonment for a fixed term of one year and three months. The sentence is to date from the 10th of June 2015 and will expire on the 9th of September 2016. 
Without your plea of guilty, it would have been a sentence of one year and eight months. He was subsequently released in October 2016. Almost 60,000 people signed a petition calling for this to be appealed, describing his sentence as pathetic. But nonetheless, Marcus came out of prison and briefly went back to Leeton with his mother. It is unknown where he is now, after residents made it clear he wasn't welcome there. I just want to say sorry for what I've done, you know, and for the hurt I caused the family. And, you know, it's um, over for now. I hope I won't cause any more trouble. I did a really stupid thing and unfortunately I can't take it back. I don't want anything to do with him. I have no contact with him and I don't want any, he said. The twins' father, Steve, said he was baffled and horrified by Vincent's crimes. I don't want to call him. I don't want to sit down with him. I don't want anything to do with him. I don't know why he did it. I never asked why he did it. And to be honest, I don't want to know. The day before Stephanie would have turned 28 years old, Vincent Stanford was sentenced to life in prison for murder and 15 years for aggravated sexual assault. I am satisfied that this is a case of murder that clearly falls within the worst category. Mr Stanford, would you stand up, please? For the aggravated sexual assault and the murder of Stephanie Clare Scott, you are convicted. Both of the sentences I impose will take effect from the 8th of April 2015. <clears throat> for the aggravated sexual assault, you are sentenced to imprisonment for 15 years. I decline to nominate a proportion of that sentence as a non-parole period, as there is no utility in doing so. For the murder of Stephanie Scott, you are sentenced to imprisonment for life. In court, Stephanie's mother Marilyn said Vincent was too pathetic and inept to make a life of his own, so he chose to take a life he had no right to. We will never know what she suffered, but to know that she suffered at all is too difficult to bear. We need to be able to fade from public view to mourn our beautiful girl and work our way through our grief. We will not be answering any questions, participating in any interviews or any programs in the future. Tomorrow we begin to celebrate Stephanie's too short, amazing life. This should be her 28th birthday, the second one we celebrate without her. We will be having a cup of tea and a mint slice biscuit at three. So please join us. Thank you. Stephanie's family called for more stringent screening and assessments of employees working at schools, and they also settled a civil case privately with the New South Wales Education Department. Their lawyer said the primary reason for taking action was to ensure that the sort of risk that Stephanie Scott was exposed to is not repeated in the future and that more stringent screening procedures are in place for employees who work at public institutions, such as schools. More tragedy would strike for the Scott family when, just over a year later, Stephanie's father Robert would lose his life in a freak accident when a tree fell on him, crushing him to death. He too would be laid to rest at the same place his daughter was. After the loss of Stephanie, Aaron moved to Europe to try and escape some of the pain associated with New South Wales. Five years after losing her, he found love again and celebrated his engagement to Samantha. The Leeton Mayor said the loss of Stephanie is something the community will never forget, and there were even books written about her case. I think as time goes by, 
You tend to try and not think about the event, the horrific nature of what happened. People simply can't believe something of that nature happened here. It is just unheard of. The whole circumstances around it. To think her life ended as it did, when it was just starting, the mayor said. Her family hope that Stephanie is remembered for all of her amazing traits and her passion for teaching, helping and coaching people. They said, Stephanie embodied all that is good about humankind. She made a tangible difference to the lives of so many people. Stephanie would want us to resume our lives. We need to be kind to ourselves and let the music and fun back in. We are so grateful to all of our viewers and all of our patrons, and we'd love you to consider joining our little community over on Patreon. It supports us as a channel, and we couldn't be more appreciative of anyone that does so. It also gives you behind-the-scenes, extra episodes, and early ad-free access.